0: Making News is a podcast about journalism and news literacy in Wisconsin and beyond.
1: This is Making News. I'm Jane Hamden.
0: We've had a number of conversations over the past year in looking at where we fail to recruit or where we fail in our coverage that makes people not want to be part of our paper.
1: My guest today is Talis Shelbourne. She's a recent UW Milwaukee grad and a reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It was her first job out of college. Thank you for being here.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Well, tell me this, there are pros and cons to starting out at a big news organization. You know, if you start at a smaller place, you can make your mistakes and, and kind of work your way up. So what have some of those pros and cons been for you at the Journal Sentinel?
0: Yeah. So when I was starting out, I think I was lucky to come into a newsroom that was very much a family kind of vibe that we had. Everyone was willing to help. Everyone was willing to lend their time. Everyone was willing to lend their expertise. And I started out going to everyone that I could trying to learn as much as I could. And in doing so, you find your mentors, you you find people who are writing about things you're interested in. And so I was lucky in that regard. I would say one of the challenges that I had coming in is that I, I really did have imposter syndrome and I was really worried about being able to produce the same quality level work that all these other journalists were producing and had been producing for decades. And I, it was intimidating. It was larger than life in a sense that I didn't expect to be able to get to that sort of a place as quickly as I did. And, and it was a bit overwhelming in that regard. And, and some of the other challenges that I faced too was that we, I was in an industry that is constantly changing. And, you know, when you start out, there's very much a culture of, of paying your dues in some senses. And that means covering things that you may not exactly want to cover. And so I know when I started out, uh, I started out covering some of the things I wanted to cover, but a lot of it was also just events and some meetings. And mainly, though, I also spent time covering crime, which was not something that I had aspired to do because I had seen so much crime coverage and a lot of the news media growing up. And I, it was not my my dream to cover a crime. And-
1: well, so let me ask you this. Um, when you needed to pay your dues and cover some of those stories, did you try to do it in a different way, if that kind of coverage had bothered you in the past?
0: I did, and I had great supports there to do that. I, I worked with Ashley Lutheran, who's a public safety reporter, and, and Gina Barton, a longtime public safety reporter. And and having worked with them and them having spent a lot of time in the community and understanding what the concerns were, and a lot of places where we would go in and, and cover these, these tragic events. They were able to help shift the paradigm from which we were covering them. We were able to tell people-focused stories. We were able to make sure that we weren't taking the humanity out of it. And that was, that was something important that I learned to do that I had wanted to see in the in the coverage that I had grown up with.
1: And you said that you were aspiring to cover um, what was your territory and stories that you cared about. What are they? What are the kinds of stories that you wanted to tell when you decided to get into journalism?
0: I wanted to tell the stories of people that I thought were maybe left out, voices of people who weren't traditionally amplified. I wanted to cover the stories of some of the sources of the struggles that we see in underserved communities And I wanted to cover some of the solutions that are out there. And I did hit my stride. I was able to do that reporting. Uh, The more time that I spent, I, I started to develop that journalistic sense of understanding how a small story connects to a larger framework. And being able to do that, I was able to cover things in a much more comprehensive and
1: nuanced way. Can you give me an example of a story, um, a smaller story that connects to a bigger um, systemic issue?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I'll take, I guess I'll just kind of look at two. And, and one was, um, I did a story looking at how much the city of Milwaukee's general fund is spent on police and how that compares to other cities, why that is how that affects other departments, why people were calling. Essentially, it was looking at what the message was and what the reason was behind people were calling for defunding the police. And that was really an interesting exercise because I talked to experts of economics. I talked to police union. I, I talked to a lot of different sources. I talked to community advocates who were advocating for less money to be spent on police. And that was a call that was happening here locally. And I was able to look at it from a local perspective, but it also connected to that larger issue and that larger call to action that we were seeing nationally. And I I really wanted to understand Milwaukee's place in that. And what we found is that we are an outlier and that we do have challenges that are going to become very apparent in the next couple of years as we continue to try and produce a budget that they're not going to overspend and so that's yeah that was a story that connected to a larger issue another one was recently I you know was Martin Luther King Jr. Day and I did not want to do a traditional story about his I have a dream speech and how close we reach to the dream now and I what I wanted to do was look at some of his lesser Known messaging around income inequality and how to reduce that, specifically, his, some of the policies that he advocated for and where we were on that. And I was able to look at that and connect it to the minimum wage proposal from the, the new uh, presidential administration and look at how that would affect Milwaukee. And I was able to talk to economists here and I was able to talk to people of labor unions and average people who were struggling because of the pandemic. And that was another larger story. I was able to connect to a local issue of income inequality here in Milwaukee.
1: The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel does not reflect its community um, as far as the diversity of its reporters. And I know that that's a stated goal of editors there to change. But when the makeup of a news organization doesn't reflect the community, how does that reflect in the coverage? It definitely reflects in the coverage, yet I will
0: say it doesn't have to, you know, you know, and I think that we have great examples of people in the newsroom who don't necessarily look like the communities that they may spend most of their time in, but because they have invested time there, they've built relationships. It's not a racial issue in that sense where they are able to be good journalists. And that's kind of what the essence of being a good journalist is. That being said, not having a newsroom that reflects the community does hurt our credibility. I think people look at us and they wonder why are there not more journalists of color at the paper? There must be some something going on over there. There must be some atmosphere over there that's preventing them. Or there must be some kind of de- decision makers don't think they're qualified enough. I mean, it's a really, when you really start looking into it, it's a incredibly complex and nuanced issue, it goes back to a lot of things. It goes to education, it goes to exposure, and specifically in our communities, having homegrown journalists of color that are able to
1: come and work for their, their paper, their hometown paper. Well, in addition to that, Talis, is there something going on over there that prevents qualified minority journalists from getting in the door?
0: I don't think that there's something that prevents them from getting in the door that's specific to the journal Sentinel. So I think there is a pipeline issue. I think that there is a value issue in terms of people of color who are graduating. They want to be at an organization that they feel is stable, that they feel they're going to get paid well. And that's something that we have to look at. And we've had a number of conversations over the past year in looking at where we, fail to recruit, or where we fail in retention, where we fail in our coverage that makes people not want to be part of our paper. But I, I mean, I don't think there's an atmospheric issue. I mean, I feel close enough to the editors there, specific some editors especially that I'm really close to that I can talk to them about, I think that, you know, coverage that we did a poor job on, or talk to them about you know, We need to do a better job of going to these colleges or looking at these students, and, and we need to implement programs to help strengthen that pipeline. And so we have a long way to go, and it's, it's not going to be at the pace I'd like, but if we start now, then eventually we will get to those newsroom goals of reflecting our community.
1: I know you're also active in the union at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Is that one of the venues where these discussions are taking place?
0: Yeah. So I'm second vice president, Davey Shostry's president of our, our local 51 here. And we are advocating for local journalism. We're also advocating for local people to become journalists. And so that is definitely a priority for us. And that's a way in which we're able to cultivate an, an environment in which People who are traditionally minorities or underrepresented groups can feel valued in an organization. So that's definitely something that we try to do at the union.
1: Maybe these issues are sort of tied together, um, the reporters not necessarily looking like the community. But in addition, I mean, as we all know, most people in their 20s aren't reading traditional newspapers or following the most responsible journalists out there. How do we change that? So we have to be willing to be
0: flexible on things such as our story formats and how we deliver news, and I think we should be inflexible on other things. So our, our news standards, our values as journalists. So in, a, in some senses, we have to create a model that is able to export the, the things that we value, being truthful, being accurate, being representative, and, and making sure that we are reflecting the community and the stories that we tell in a fair and thoughtful way. We also have to figure out how to deliver that news in a way that's going to reach these younger people. I mean, I guess there's a part of me that is very sad that reading is not necessarily a priority for a lot of this younger generation. And I don't know if that's a trend that we want to in some senses, say, okay, well, that's the trend, and let's just try to reach them in other ways. I mean, I, I'm not, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm not sure that the trend of less reading is one that we want to support. I think that's part of why we do have this generation that does have trouble discerning between the veracity of a Facebook post versus a journalist article. And that's, you know, that goes back to media literacy. It goes back to critical thinking skills. I mean, it's a whole host of reasons why, but I do think that we should be open and flexible to thinking about social media and just different ways to bring our stories to life for that generation. And obviously part of that involves listening to that generation and looking at what they are viewing and, and reading and interested in. Um, so that's a, It's going to be a listening, but it's also going. We we do have to hold fast. I think to to the tenets of journalism that really matter.
1: Working for a large company like Gannett, uh, which is under financial pressure, constant layoffs and buyouts um, around the country with large media organizations, how? realistic is it to expect legacy news organizations like this that are already struggling in other ways to figure out how to reach out to young people on social media?
0: Yeah, so that kind of touches on a number of the things that we've talked about. So that touches on our hiring and retention. So are we hiring and keeping people that understand this generation, understand younger generations and know how to connect with them I think that we have a number of reporters who are really good at that. I think we have some who they really do understand what that generation is interested in, what's viral, what's happening now. And your mind runs on parallel tracks. You're, you're doing your job as a journalist, but you're also focused on the industry. You're focused on journalism as an industry. You're focused on the values and the, and the tenets of journalism being strong. You're focused on... What's happening to the perception of media, and at the same time, you're just trying to do your job as a journalist, and that's difficult. I'm not sure that it's something that a lot of other industries experience. Um, and as part of the union, I get to see some of the other issues that we face and some of the the ways that we have to negotiate to make sure that we are representing our journalists in the the fairest and the best way possible.
1: We've talked a lot about uh, the business of journalism and the challenges that journalism face, but what about the joys of journalism? What have you learned about Milwaukee from this different perch?
0: Um, it's so it's strange because I grew up here, but I didn't get out very much, <laughs> um, and and so I I had exposure to journalism pretty young and my parents watched the PBS NewsHour and, you know, they would watch all the Sunday shows on Sunday and have these really interesting conversations about politics and things that were happening. And I really enjoyed that. And I think that contributed to why I wanted to be a journalist. And I think one of the things, the, one of the biggest joys of journalism is that you're constantly learning. I mean, if you're doing your job right, you're, you're constantly learning. You're constantly being exposed to new ideas, new points of view. You're, you're looking at different data. You're making connections that you may have never made without being in the job. And you're also learning more about how your city works. You're learning more about the people in it. I mean, I've met so many amazing people, so many talented uh, individuals that are, are here in our city. And I don't think I would have met them, you know, without having this role as a journalist. Um, it can be heavy at times. I, I, re- I remember I spent a week covering um, the Boone trial, which is a Cudahy couple. And it was like a really horrific child abuse case. And, and that was really hard. It was just like my mind walking from the Journal Sentinel to the courthouse and then walking back would just be like, oh my gosh, this is so depressing. But then there'd be other times when I would join a community event. there was a Thanksgiving um, giveaway that happened this past Thanksgiving where they were giving away coats and food and everyone, even while a pandemic was happening, they were you know lining up and they had on masks and they were laughing and, and happy to just be it was an outdoor event, happy to be in the same space um, with other people and and to be able to take advantage of the generosity of, of other people. So, I mean, I think you do have to be resilient in a lot of ways to be a journalist, but there are joys in it. And there's joys of learning and meeting new people that you never probably would have met outside of journalism
1: what uh, would your advice be to students who are really just a few years behind you who think that they want to try to make journalism a career?
0: I would say, I hate this advice. <laughs> yeah. it, I, I, I hate this advice because I remember how hard it was trying to do it. But I mean, you have to do everything that you possibly you have to find out what you're interested in. And then you have to passionately pursue it. You have to Try to walk through every door of opportunity that you can. You try to gain as much experience as you can. Try to make as many good impressions as you can. It really is a grind. I mean, it's a competitive industry. And you really have to be willing to put your effort into it. If you do that, someone's going to notice you. And, and you are going to be able to hopefully flourish in whatever area of journalism that you, you want to the answer is simple and yet it's not easy to do it's just a lot of hard work you you know just filling your clips interviewing people learning researching trying to become diversified in your tool set whether that's learning video and audio and and how to use databases and all that it's a lot of work but I mean you were one of my instructors and so having instructors like you and having the classmates that I did really helps guide students,
1: I think, to the right place, but it, it is, it's just, it's just a lot of hard work. What's next for you? What, what are your goals now?
0: Yeah, I think one of the most impactful things that I've seen in just working and working in journalism and also doing my best to try and reach back as it were you know if you're climbing the ladder and you reach yeah. down and make sure other people can get up that same ladder and that is that we've got to strengthen the pipeline and we've got to strengthen it earlier on and so what i want to do is figure out some way to start exposing middle school children to the concept of journalism and strengthening those skills that are required to be a journalist and obviously you know not every middle school kid is going to want to be a journalist but the those skills that you need transfer well into many different industries and so that's what i what i want to do next as i'm continuing my journalism career as i want to figure out a way to strengthen that pipeline so we have more journalists of color more journalists from underrepresented communities whether they be LGBTQ plus whoever who are not currently well represented in our newsrooms. I wanna make sure that we're strengthening our pipeline and that, you know, 20, 40 years from now, we're seeing newsrooms that reflect the rest of the country.
1: Well, Talis, I know you're in the middle of a couple of projects. Thank you for taking time to talk with me.
0: No problem, it's good to talk to you. I miss the campus and I, I appreciate you reaching out. Making News is supported by the Digital Humanities Lab at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee.